Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! <laughs> Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. So when I say Vegas, you probably say gaming, or maybe you say shows. Today we're going to discuss both. Later in the show, we'll discuss the pros and cons of gambling for senior citizens with Dr. Max Furman, who has over 30 years experience providing assessment and psychotherapy to the elderly and their families. But up first, there's a new show in town, and the reviews have been great. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure, and it's playing at the Virgin Hotel. If you like great music from different genres, you'll love this show. And as usual, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, is here, and he explains today why residencies work so well in Vegas. There are great tribute shows around Las Vegas. You all know that. But one of the really interesting ones is available now. It's over at the Virgin Hotel, a great place to see a great show. It's called 27, A Musical Adventure. And with us is Eric Himmel. Eric is co-producer and musical director of 27, A Musical Adventure. And with him, the guy who plays Jimi Hendrix, Nazim Chambi. Welcome both. Uh, what an exciting concept. Uh, did you realize when you sent this thing out, I know that it, it was originally opened up at the Troubadour on March 10th, right before everything hit the fan, but the response in the room, what I understand was incredible. People loved it, and the idea of these great legends getting together is something else. So first of all, give us a, if you would, Eric, give us kind of a, a what people can expect to see and how this all developed into a show. Well, what they can expect to see is an actual real concert. There's no tracks. There's nothing faked about the entire show, which is most of the Vegas shows I've seen have got some tracks going. And, you know, uh, we didn't spare any expense. We wanted to make sure that it was a real concert experience for people. The lights are on point. Uh, you know, the musicians are the best of the best. We're an entire cast from Los Angeles that have all now relocated here to do this residency. Uh, so you could really expect uh, when you walk in there that even though it's a smaller room, it would be like going to see, you know, Pink or Katy Perry at, uh, you know, the, the Forum or Staples Center. I mean, that's the level of quality we've brought to this show into that room. And it all came about because it was the brainchild of the main producer, Ramey Albatrawi, and he has been wanting to do this show. Uh, he had the concept to do this show for the last 15 years, and just happened to stumble in the Viper Room one night in Los Angeles, and we we met. And you know, he was he saw one of the performers, and it sparked him to to do this idea. And he does now at the time. He thought it was a sign from the universe, and that's how we. And, and in two weeks, we did the Troubadour show, and we put it together in two weeks. It's a fantastic idea. The fact that these great great entertainers died at age twenty seven, and you look at them in the the quality of and the importance they had in the business is just so shocking and so forth was 
it almost kind of a difficult thing to find people to play like Kurt Cobain. Now we're going to talk to Nazim who plays Jimi Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. I mean, these were more than just great entertainers. They were all kind of um, leaders in terms of cultural changes in music and so forth. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Um, it was it it wasn't hard, but it was hard. The the Troubadour show. As soon as Rainey discussed the concept with me, I didn't have to think at all. I knew exactly who could do which part instantaneously. Now, when we're looking at having two, three, four cast deep, that's where the challenge now begins. But initially. I didn't. The only person that I didn't know who I could fill the position for was Robert Johnson. That one was a little bit hard to find, but the rest of the performers, it was literally a no-brainer. Like it just, I, I knew exactly who could do Jim Morrison and Kurt Cobain. I mean, it was, and that's only because I've been in LA for so long and uh, hosted a networking event for six years. So it was really easy just to, just to think who's performed at that event, and uh, it, it made it. But the challenge is to find more and more people. Yeah. Well, let's talk to Nazim. You're playing uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, again, big challenge, right? Most people agree he's the greatest guitarist of all time. You got to go out there and you got to not only capture the way he played the guitar, which is very difficult to do, but his whole persona. He was such an interesting uh, person at the time. How did you do it? I mean, did you start going back and looking at old concert uh, films of him and so forth and listen to records? How did you do it? Actually, no. So, Jimmy, for me, um, I really captured me, I would say, about 15 years ago. It's when I got, uh, you know, I had Woodstock. You know, I always thought he was great. And I liked him. But when I saw Monterey Pop Festival performance where, you know, that was his first big performance in America when he was found in, uh, brought from England, um, that's where it hit me. I saw him perform, and I went, whoa, it did something to me. And I just, since that day, I'd, I'd start watching the show before every performance to get inspired when I was playing my rock band. You know, and I would take moves here and there and kind of take his persona. It kind of happened very naturally, to be honest with you. And it's something I always carry with me, man, and the clothes and the hats. I just, I really vibed it. So then, you know, it was kind of a natural thing for me. And even when I played guitar, um, if you know the way Hendrix plays chords, he uses his thumb. Yeah. He doesn't do bar chords. And that was something I naturally did when I started playing guitar. Um, so a lot of the playing kind of came natural to me and the rhythms and things like that. Um, so, you know, and then I grew up in the Bay Area in Oakland. I would sometimes do Hey Joe. It was the only song I would ever cover by him and I was comfortable doing and people loved it. I even got a manager out of it. And, and so when I was in L.A. one day, uh, like Eric was saying, he was running a, a night at the Viper Room. I went in one night just to support because I'd always go there to play. One night I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go hang out and, and support. And that's where Eric approached me about it. And at first I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I was kind of, he was telling me the songs. I felt like I wasn't ready. But then, you know, I slept on it. I went, you know what, I got this. And, you know, we went to rehearsals and it awoke in something else in me as far as Jimmy, as far as uh, singing the other songs. That Besides Hazel, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, Man, it was just—it was such a natural thing. Cause I already had, I would say, the the, the Hendrix energy. Yeah, and that energy is important because all of those songs, as I think of those things, uh, the old Bob Dylan song, All Along the Watchtower, Purple Haze, all those things. When you hear those songs, if you were around in the 60s, I was a little kid in that time, but mm -hmm. it brings you right there. So it, it, it's more than just somebody singing a song. You can almost see 
the stuff on the screen as as you you pointed. And Hendrix was so great at that way. And I guess that's from, uh, so it's kind of, uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, well, you had an admiration for him that you decided to dive into this before you were going to, you ever thought of doing this. Exactly, man. It was just something that, and you know, and again, it wasn't something like, I'm going to be, a, you know, I'm going to play Hendrix and stuff. It was just, I'm going to use the Hendrix energy persona that inspired me to play, you know? And I'd be in rock bands and, you know, funk bands, everything. I always brought that with me. You know, it was, it was just in me. So, and of course with the show, I mean, I since I think we've done almost sixty shows now. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, you know, there's a, a guy that runs an Instagram page I've been following for years, and I sent him that we were doing the show, and he's been coming, and he's blown away by it, and he's been sending me very rare Hendrix things you can't really find online, and I've been diving into that, going, whoa, I never knew he did that, I never knew he played that, he played this woman, and so now I'm diving even deeper after doing, you know, 50-something shows, now I'm, like, really researching stuff I never thought about before. Does that make sense? Back with more from Eric Himmel, co-producer and musical director of 27 The Musical, and Nazim Chambi, the artist that portrays Jimi Hendrix, in a moment. Just a reminder, please visit Vegas Never Sleeps Online. For the best in Vegas, it's VegasNeverSleeps.com, and for great sports, It's Sports R-A-C-X, which is available on radio stations nationwide and wherever you listen to podcasts. Sports R-A-C-X. And later today on Sports Rockin' Tours, you'll meet the Hall of Fame Buffalo Bill guard from their days in the American Football League, Billy Shaw. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. I represent low-cost airlines, and we know a lot of you are not traveling right now, and we understand. However, if you do need to travel between now and the end of the year, now is a great time to lock in some of the lowest prices we've seen in a lifetime. Hey, in normal times, we can save you up to 75%, but now airlines are practically giving away seats. We have inside deals on over 500 airlines. Here are a few sample round-trip deals we found. Seattle to Vegas, $35. Chicago to Atlanta, $85. Los Angeles to Atlanta, 100 bucks. Of course, there are some limitations, but the airlines want your business right now. And cancellation and change fees are flexible. So fly somewhere this year, book now, save a ton, call right now. 802-341-4529. 802-341-4529. 802-341-4529. That's 802-341-4529. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.
Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Eric Himmel, co-producer and musical director of 27 The Musical, and Nazim Chambi, the artist that plays Jimi Hendrix. And I would imagine then that when everybody's up on the stage and so forth, the idea of Jimmy playing with Janis Joplin or right. Kurt Cobain, you got to kind of think, you got to kind of put yourself into that situation. Well, what would Jimmy do, right? And and Absolutely. and that must be kind of fun, I would think. You know, you can really kind it's of so imagine. Fun. Yeah, it's a fun thing, man. I'll tell you another thing, man. Is is when I do perform and I do the Hendrix stuff. It's for me, it's a form of channeling. You know. I kind of like sit there and I said, I have to be sober, mind, no drink, nothing. Like, I have to be sober, and it comes through so effortlessly like that. You know, it's just like something comes over me, and here we go. And it becomes effortless, and there we are, we're 60 shows later. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah. you, well, you know, Eric, uh, people that have seen this come back to me and they say it's incredible how they get these people up there like they're playing together because. This group of people, they all died at 27. They all were real important, but they weren't all the same. I mean, you know, you, you can, everybody can kind of imagine Hendrix and Joplin, but you start throwing in Amy Winehouse or Jim Morrison. Yeah, and, and, and was that going on in your mind too? Well, how will you make this work where people could actually believe this is going on and kind of put these fantastic uh, stars together in a way where you can kind of make that all meld? Yeah, it's interesting. is. I didn't really know, and I tossed around a few different things when we first did the show with Troubadour, and really what tied it together is Robert Johnson, because he influenced so many people with the blues, Hendrix, I mean, Kurt Cobain used to cover Lead Belly, you know, blues tunes, I mean, they were all influenced in some way from Robert Johnson, so we used that to tie the whole show together. We do Sweet Home Chicago, which actually... I didn't even know it was a Robert Johnson song until I was working on the show. I had no, and I didn't even know Robert Johnson wrote Crossroads either. You know, funny enough. Right, right. Enough. I didn't even have a guitar player. I didn't even know that. Like, so I was actually, I learned a little bit when we first did the show last year. But I experimented with a few different ideas. And I have a few other things on the horizon because over time we are going to adapt the show and change the show a bit so that when people come back in six months they do see something fresh. So that, to tying it all together is, is the big key. And I think we'll, it may be even something where we do a second song with the entire cast. I don't, I'm not sure yet how we'll do it or what we'll do, but that is definitely a big pivotal moment. And it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, what would have happened if they all were together. I mean, it's the, it would be the greatest, uh, the greatest band that had ever lived if you had all six of those people together at one time. Oh, no question. It's a super group, no doubt. Yeah, it's a fantasy camp, basically, of the yeah. great rockers. Because yeah. you take Kurt, and I'm wondering, how have audiences responded? Because I imagine you have a certain group of people that just love Kurt Cobain. I mean, they're going for Cobain, right? And yeah. you have somebody else with Amy Winehouse, and maybe, you know, and then for Jimmy. Is it one of those things where you, you kind of like, if you're a Cobain person, you go for Cobain, but then you sit through this and realize, wow, there's some other great ones, too? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny, as one of the uh, executives from the hotel 
did not know who Amy Winehouse was, and he ended up loving Amy Winehouse after seeing the show. But then it's like twofold. You touched something earlier about the Purple Haze bringing people back. It's like and you, you look out to the audience. And I even see people that maybe I, I don't think know Nirvana that are a, a little older, and they end up singing every word. So every segment seems to to take people back in some way or form. And But the funny thing is, it's, for me playing a show, I have like a different favorite every night. Like It's interesting how everybody, it's almost like everybody's trying to outdo each other as, as Janet comes on and Nadine comes on and then the, the Jim Morrison comes on. It's like they're all... They're all trying to outdo each other the whole night, and sometimes, you know, the Kurt Cobain guy, like, one night the guitar flew across the crowd into the back onto the stage. I'm like, wow. Like, you end up having, and people that have seen the show multiple times say the same thing, too. Like, oh, I really like this one tonight and that one tonight. And, you know, it is interesting. I think, I think the show is so to the point that people just get encapsulated from the beginning. You're really lost for, for 95 minutes. It's, it's really... Uh, it really takes you on a journey. You're, you'll probably will like the rest. Yeah. Well, you know, Nazim, I'm thinking of uh, you sitting there talking about the Monterey Pop Festival, and this is as close as you're going to get to that kind of thing because in the Monterey Pop Festival, you had all these different people play. I mean, Jimmy and Janice yep. were both there. Yep. It's kind of the same thing, right? You know, instead of maybe Simon it's and Garfunkel, you got Amy Winehouse, whatever. But <laughs> yep. And, you know, it's, it's, I was going to add to one more thing before I go to that is, I have, after the show, you know, you have younger crowds that show up, you know, and they're like, you know, I never knew who Hendrix was, but now after seeing that, I'm going to go listen to all his music. I, I, oh, my God, it's so exciting. I want to know more. Or I'll have someone going, you know, I didn't really like Hendrix before, but after seeing you perform the songs that way, now I want to go explore some more. So it's a funny, it's funny thing that happens. And then, of course, like you were saying about Monterey Pop Festival, Hendrix, the reason he burned his guitar is because there was an argument backstage about who was going to follow the Who. The Who was going to go, and the Who was already big in the States. Yeah. And no one knew who Jimmy was. Um, they knew who he was because of England, but they were like, no, we're going to go first. So the Who went on and smashed the stage up like they did. Then the Grateful Dead went on, and then Jimmy went on. And uh, someone told Jimmy, maybe you should burn the guitar. And, you know, he ended up doing it. <laughs> it's incredible, you know. And you think of those three, the Who, you know, the Grateful Dead and Jimi Hendrix, and you think, it's kind of a little what you guys are doing, you know. Which Was there any thought to, like, I, I think of that movie School of Rock, and there's one part of that movie where he's showing the little kids how rock got to be there with all the different lines, and this one begat, this one begat, this one. In a way... Even though everybody died at 27, they died at different times over a, a long area. It is kind of a chronology, at least part of it, of uh, of rock and roll. Yeah, you can hear the evolution in the song. And, you know, uh, real quick to touch on the last point is, uh, you know, I saw a girl in the audience. She must have been six years old or something. She was in the second row, like, last weekend. And she had a Jim Morrison shirt on. And the Jim Morrison went out and... She started crying. It was like, you know, I think the way we're, we're executing the show is we're really trying to be authentic and we don't have any extra. We don't have, like, dancers or any, like, bizarre. It's, it's, it's literally a rock concert. People are really transformed. And they're, giving pe- they're giving people an opportunity to hear the songs authentically and done properly and really with attention to detail that they would obviously ne- not get nowadays unless it was, like, a hologram concert. And then you have the people that have actually seen these artists before that uh, are getting to relive those memories. So it's really great for everybody. We'll hear more from Eric Himmel and Nazim Chambi in just a moment. 
Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. Place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. Don't forget to follow Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows this show on most of these stations. You can also visit Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. Hey, I'm Paul Shortino, and you're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Rock on. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi, and we are chatting about the new show in town, 27 the Musical, with Eric Himmel, co-producer and musical director, and Nazim Chambi, the artist that plays Jimi Hendrix. Well, Nazim, you know, is everybody like you? Because, I mean, you actually... As somebody who, I was a little kid then, trust me, but I remember kind of the reverence people had that were big Hendrix fans, and you have that. Do the other people have that as well, with whoever they're performing as? Is it something that they all kind of bring that, um, truly a tribute? Are they bringing that uh, to the show as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone, you know, like... uh like you were saying, you know, everyone tries to kind of up one each other. It's like everyone inspires each other to be next. So if someone sees me perform and do certain things and go, oh, man, it looks like you've been doing this for a while, then they push themselves to get there. And, it's, and we all talk backstage. We all encourage each other. I'm like, you know, you just got to let go. Go for it. And everyone's been really killing it. I mean, yesterday I was sitting on the side actually watching the artist. I was watching um, Adi Dujanis, and I was truly blown away. And, you know, same with Jim Morrison and, and of course, uh, Kurt and Amy. I mean, Amy Winehouse to me is one of the greatest uh, soulful singers. And Leah has been just taking that and taking it to another level, and it inspires me. And I go, whoa! Like she's really tapping into that man. And, and so that I think everybody's really killing it, man. As far as that that comes, you know, it's about letting go and just letting it happen, man. Just channel. You can't think about it. Well, no, it's exciting about like Amy Winehouse, for example, because I think sometimes she gets lost in all this. I mean, people that were fans realize how great, but she wasn't the obvious fit that some of these people were. And I think it's great that uh, we can remember her. And of course, comes from a different time, too. So, uh, right. Well, I, I got to ask you a couple things, Eric. Number one, okay, this is all about, unfortunately, the death at the age, the very young age of 27. Is that reviewed in the show? Will people get a little feel for the fact that these all died tragically were certainly too young. Yeah, it, it, we actually have the show narrated in, the, in between segments by John O'Hurley, the actor that was on Seinfeld. He played Elaine Foss, Mr. Peterman. He, yeah. he narrates the show. Throughout the segment, you learn about the artists. You learn about uh, the things that they did, like you know how Janis Joplin was such a big figure in the counterculture movement. And in fact, you know, we all just took a trip to San Francisco over the weekend and did a free promo show there. 
And it, I was telling Nazim last night, right before he, I, he went on stage, we were out on the side of the stage, I walked out to switch guitars, and I'm like, man, going on that trip now, because I had never actually been to the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco, I've been there a bunch, I never went to Haight-Ashbury, mm-hmm. the narration like, kicked in the next level for me last night, and I was like, wow, it's really, it really, I see how the story is tied together now, actually experiencing that area of the world, and you can feel it too, so you do go on a, a journey about how they impacted the music life and, and, and culture and everything and really what they stood for. You know, they, we talked about how Jimi Hendrix, the whole point of the Star Spangled Banner was his opposition to the war. And he had the sounds of, you know, bombs and gunfire he tried to do with his guitar. So you learn about those things in, in between the segments and about the artist. Well, yeah, and they're all really interesting personalities. I mean, and they're all kind of tragic figures, too, that had a lot of difficulties. I mean, I think of Janis Joplin, and you look back at her incredible career and some of the difficulties she had in her life. You know, you realize where that comes from. Amy Winehouse fought her her demons as well, Uh, all of these people. So it's it's so much talent, and yet we're kind of living on the edge a bit, too, and and really struggling with life. Yeah, we focus, we... We, yeah, and that's a good point. We do focus a lot more about their impact. Cause yeah. We don't want to upset anybody and, right. and talk about those things, even though they were known for those demons and known for that kind of erratic behavior and lifestyle and that predictability. You know, we, we really want to shine and hit the points of how they impacted uh, the world in a positive way. Absolutely. Well, people are in for a lot of fun. 27, a musical adventure. It's over at the brand new Virgin Hotel. Great place. Wonderful show. You've got to see it. Are you guys thinking about putting an album out? Because I was just looking at this and so forth. Thinking, I think a lot of people would love an album, you know, a soundtrack of this. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give too much away, you know, but I will, I will say that one of the thoughts I had originally was that, you know, I tape every show for my own reference. I was like, maybe there would be a way that people could get a USB stick or something. This was, I, I, I decided against it, but I was like, initially, like, maybe they could take a USB stick of each show they come to, but we have discussed the possibility of maybe doing one recording, but I will tell you that we will have more shows coming in more cities very soon. So that's been, that's kind of taken over the focus, but we, we definitely have thought about, like, you know, if you've, if you've seen Rent and any other Broadway or musical, right. they do usually put an album out of the original cast and such. So that it's been in the, it's on the back burner for sure, but it's, it's there. It would be great to do that, I think. Well, Eric, Dazim, thank you so much for being with us. And everybody, go see this. It, one more time, is 27, A Musical Adventure. And uh, let us know, guys, when you are going to more places. We'll announce it across the country. We want to follow this because I think it's, for those of us that love that that whole music, and really, I think the best thing, the most interesting thing about the show is seldom do you have a thing where there's different types of music all meld together. It's really kind of a, a wonderful show. I think people will love it. Thank you so much. Well, that's of course, great shows are not the only reason to visit Vegas. For a lot of people, gambling is the big draw, especially for senior citizens, which can present challenges and opportunities. Well, if you go around any place that there's gambling, with the possible exception of Vegas, although there's a lot of elderly people in Vegas that gamble, but you go to places like Laughlin and to various casinos around the country and you'll notice a lot of senior citizens. And 
That can be good, but that can be bad, too. And we got somebody, a real expert, to talk about it with us today, Dr. Max Furman. He's a licensed clinical psychologist with extensive experience in the assessment and psychotherapeutic treatment of older adults. He went to my alma mater, so naturally I like him right off the top from USC. And uh, Dr. Max, gambling is one of those things that, first of all, we'll go on a positive it actually, I read where it can actually help people stay sharp because you have to do some things depending on what type of gambling you do. Oh, very much so. Thank you, Steve, for having me. Yes, very much so. It's really good for the brain, right, to figure things out, whether it's like on video poker, right, what that you're going to pick. Right. Certainly like placing bets like on online betting, figuring out what sports team is going to win, right, if the Trojans are going to win or something. <laughs> and um, sitting again with other people, very good for your brain, right, if you were actually playing poker or at a craps table or something, the interaction with others, really, really good for the brain. Yeah, I would think so. I think something like blackjack, I'm thinking just the fact that you kind of have to constantly count in your mind. It's it's not a heavy-duty math, but nonetheless, it's always different, and that's a good thing. Yes, exactly, because every hand is different, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. First of all, a lot of people, as they get older, they tend to gamble, right? I mean, this is not something that's a small little group of people. Uh, it's one of those things that we enjoy doing as we get older. Oh, yeah, a lot of studies show it can be one of the most popular social activities. You know, in some of, like, the casinos around, they have free transportation for seniors, certainly before the COVID, right, taking them to casinos, giving them free food or free drinks, whatever, meeting their friends there. Yeah, it's a real important aspect of a lot of older people's lives. Yeah, I guess because it's one of those things you can still do. I mean, well into your 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, you don't need to be in like maybe the shape that you would if you like you played tennis or something. Yeah, obviously that starts to wear down on you. But you can gamble as long as you're alive. Oh yes, I remember seeing older people when we used to have like coins, right, for slot machines, carrying these huge trays of quarters or silver dollars, right, attached yeah. to their walker, and then sitting there at the machine for hours and hours, you know, just being transfixed by that. Versus if they were at home, probably they'd say, oh, I'm too frail to do this. But it can be a real rush for people. Back with more from Dr. Max Furman in a moment. Make sure to listen to Sports Rockin' Tours, which follows Vegas Never Sleeps in most markets. In the meantime, go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking with Dr. Max Berman, who has experience in helping initiate inpatient geriatric psychiatric programs. In 1966, he became the second psychologist in California to be elected president of a medical staff over at Pacific Shores Hospital. Yeah, you're right. You could always tell because they'd have the uh, black hands because they'd be touching all the coins. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yes. So actually when things transform more into electronic, like slot machines, right, with push button and getting away from the coins, the gaming industry actually sought out human factors experts in geriatrics to make them senior friendly. So you have big buttons, easy to press, easy to see, this kind of stuff. They knew their, their market. Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned before video poker. Does that help too? Because not only do you have to think, but there's different strategies and it brings a certain responsibility, if you will, that maybe you don't get in just average, every, everyday life. Yes, again, you're having to figure out, right, how much you want to bet and the hands you're getting. And sometimes it's much less intimidating than if you were actually sitting at a table, right, with other people. Now, does that kind of scare you in a bit, the fact that somebody with their, you know, computer, with their smart pad, what have you, they can sit there at home. It's real easy because it's real easy for people, not just elderly, but for other people, if, especially if you're having a trouble with it. You know, you're not you're not actually putting the dollars in like you talked about the coins and stuff. You don't realize it and you can run up a pretty nasty bill. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the negative part of this, right, is that what we call um, in the way of diagnosing mental disorders, pathological gambling, or people having a problem gambling. Certainly, if you're an older person and you develop that, you're less likely to be able to recoup your losses. And there's always been this concern that if we get away from money and actually looking at it, right, it's much easier to just say, like, oh, just, you know, give me some more. Give me some more from my credit card or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But now you've got fixed income as you get older. You know, you're not bringing in money anymore. Do you try to help these people? Because the time to grab that is is right away. Do you do you try to help people with like the idea of budgeting for what you can spend? Is just so important so you can still enjoy this without uh, putting your uh, future at risk. Right, and one way I help them as well is to look at, like with many things, as you get older, if there's a change from how you did things when you were younger, this could signal that there's something wrong with your brain, with your body. And there's even been some drugs that were used, one to treat Parkinson's disease, that was correlated with people developing problem gambling. It was interfering with their ability to kind of stop what they were doing. So they took that off the market. So if anyone out there like has a person in their lives that all of a sudden is developing this problem right, where they're spending more than they can afford, it's possible that something is going on with their brain that could be addressed. So it's important then for families to not so much be bothered by it. It's great to see uh, elderly people enjoying themselves, but mm-hmm. they should be asking questions, right, just to make sure that if there's any of those issues, you want to see them beforehand, before it, uh, it's too late. 
Exactly, in terms of them running up, you know, a lot of money that they can't afford, or just that there's something going on with their brain, obviously, that you could do something about. A lot of these dementias, like Alzheimer's disease, often are overdiagnosed when it's something that could be corrected from medication or other kind of problems with the body. And so that this is one kind of way of getting a red flag about it, that all of a sudden, you know, dad or mom or grandpa or grandma, they never were like this before, you know, and now they're spending all this money that they don't have in gambling. Part of that technology, too, where, you know, as we get older, we get more and more afraid. I remember my dad, oh, my God, touching a computer was scary to him because that was mm-hmm. late in his life and so forth. And consequently, when you get something, you're learning, to, you're learning about email and so forth, and you get something saying, hey, you won. Well, the computer wouldn't lie, right? computer doesn't make right. mistakes. <laughs> right. Right. Same kind of thing where then you're naive, right, that they call you and say, like, the IRS is coming after you, right, and you believe that, and you need to give the person your credit card number. So we can also look at a lot of seniors are very isolated, certainly even more so during the COVID. And so it's nice they have somebody to talk to, right, who calls them, who yeah. contacts them even on email, and thereby they can become more trusting of like, well, they wouldn't really scam me kind of thing. One thing that I found interesting going through your materials is, and I never thought about this, but this really is a place where gambling can lead to substance abuse and insomnia and especially the insomnia i thought about it because uh, my mother-in-law who loves gambling you know she was a stockbroker doc so she used to always she's used to going to bed at seven or eight o'clock at night all of a sudden it's like one in the morning we're in las vegas and she's still out there is that something that really affects it and what is it that brings on that insomnia is it the excitement of it or just the very nature of looking in you know at lights and small little uh, screens and so forth yeah it could go that direction but i think more what i was meaning is that the material i sent is if you have insomnia one way that you kind of deal with it right you could sit up all night right gambling 24 7 or you could develop substance abuse problems, obviously, sitting there, and people maybe bring you strong, free drinks. But if you have these issues, including issues like with post-traumatic stress disorder, where people have nightmares and they can't sleep, this could be very undetected then, because you're there in the casino, right? right. The local casino, and no one thinks that you're having these problems. But obviously, this is a contributor to why you're gambling like that. Well, so let's kind of wrap it up in the sense of this is a bigger problem than people think. First of all, there's a lot more seniors that love gambling. What kind of percent of those do you find that have problem gambling where it really isn't good for their lifestyle, and what should they do? Well, we're finding in some studies it's maybe as many as 10% of people, even though, again, it's very hard to estimate this in people's homes, correct? Right, right. And as you said, the first thing, obviously, to do is, is this been like a tendency as younger people obviously going to have problem gambling, or is this something new? And that that then is a whole different way of intervening. If this has been a problem for the person throughout their life, one of the great things I find as a psychologist working with seniors, they have all this wisdom, right? Well, if you struggle with this before, how did you manage it? Did you have periods where it wasn't a problem for you? And so what's going on now? And some older adults, right, they want the challenge of having something to do now, right, to prove like that they can finally do what they couldn't do when they were younger to beat the house or whatever it is. So there can be psychological components to this too, right? Right. Is there some other way that they can get a challenge without it costing them money like this? And you got something that 
I think everybody should take a listen to. You got a podcast, Age Well with Dr. Max. How long have you been doing that, and how can we uh, listen? Oh, we can just go to my website, right? www.agewelldrmax.com. I've got um, five podcasts on there dealing with things like your memory, how to you know improve your memory, all this ageism that people think like you know I have pain that's because I'm old sort of thing, and I always remind people. If that was due to aging, then your whole body would hurt, right? Right. And right. to be really empowering of yourself and not think of yourself as like old, decrepit, kind of negative thing. You know, so it's these empowering videos on there for people to get information that, you know, it's never too old again to feel good about yourself. Yeah, you're right. And you know what? It's not a bad idea to get a little jump on that. You know, we start past 40 and people start thinking about it. Oh, I'm getting older. I'm getting older. And I think looking at some of these things can give you a different attitude going into it. It doesn't have to be miserable. It's not just preparing to die. There's a lot more to the aging process. And what I love is the stuff you have. And that's why they should go to your website, Dr. Max, is it's not all negative. No, and that's actually a lot of what I've done in almost 40 years of practice is empowering older adults. In the beginning of the pandemic, even, it was about, like, have the adult children take care of the parents as if they needed to be taken care of. You know, they <laughs> survived World War II, polio, whatever, right. all kinds of things, whatever. They're the ones that you turn to when there are problems. It's not as if they don't know how to cope with it. Dr. Max, thank you so much for being with us. we got to have you on again. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Steve. Now let's turn to Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, also known as your Vegas Insider. One thing that seems to work in Vegas, more and more performers seem to be attracted to residencies. I asked Scott, why is that? It is really appealing to these acts to kind of not have to travel. Like, it really takes a toll on your body and your health. And, it, and for some of these artists, having a home base or, or having this kind of place that they can settle in, do a certain number of shows. Uh, Barry, Barry Manilow actually said it. He said, I've, I want to do a show a couple nights a week. I want to keep my band employed. And I don't want to have to work that hard. You know, and I think f whether it's Foo Fighters, uh, Aerosmith, or whoever else you're talking about, I think there are a lot of appealing things about Las Vegas, and now there's no stigma attached to it. It used to be kind of like, can't play Vegas because that's where these acts go to die. Well, that's not true anymore. Thanks, Scott. Don't forget to visit Scott's site, VitalVegas.com, to keep up with all the activities in and around Las Vegas. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours, and if your local station doesn't carry it, you can go to Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Sports R-A-C-X. It's short for Sports Rock and Tours. And please follow both Vegas Never Sleeps and Sports Rock and Tours on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you once again, Vegas Never Sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go! Vegas!